0: Will you take your Bible this afternoon and turn to the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. And we have arrived in our study of radical holiness to one of the greatest chapters in the book of Romans as far as I am concerned one of the greatest chapters in the New Testament. This chapter has been called the Pentecost of the New Testament because there are more references to the Holy Spirit in this chapter than there are anywhere else in the Bible. And we are desperately in need of understanding the work of God's Spirit in our fight for holiness, we long to be set apart unto God for His will and His work and His ways and His worship, and we desperately need the help of God's Spirit to do so. And there is so much confusion today about the Spirit of God, and this chapter is going to unfold for us, the person and the work of God's Spirit on our behalf. And I look forward to taking the next several weeks to just unpack this little chapter. And I believe that it will be a help to you in your life as we radically pursue holiness. Let me read the text. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh... God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Last week, as we were looking at the seventh chapter, we discovered the apostle paul opening up his heart and sharing the incredible battle that every single believer faces today i mean we we have a a battle that hits us on three fronts we are at war with the world the godless system out there is bombarding the people of god with its advertisements with its Message with its world view, and it is getting to the point in the world that if you do not agree with a secular worldview, an evolutionistic worldview, that they will seek to shut you up and cancel you. And my friend, it is going to get worse. And that is one front of our battle, the world. But we are up against our arch enemy, the deceiver who has been deceiving humanity from the very beginning of time. And it is a real battle. But the battle that we have been addressing, not only a battle against the world and Satan, but we are battling our flesh. And we understand Paul when he tells us, I've discovered a principle. I've discovered... A law within me, the believer, the one who wants to do good. He says, I'm discovering that the things I want to do, I'm not doing. And the things I don't want to do, I am doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. We know that battle. And the cry of Paul is our own cry. Who can deliver me from the body of sin and death? we know that we are living in an unredeemed corpse. We are not the old man. That old man was crucified when we put our faith and trust in him. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we came to Christ, we were delivered out of the realm of sin and that realm that we were born into because we are descendants of Adam. But we've been transferred out of that realm. We've gone from there into the realm of grace and life. And yet we've not been delivered from this body of sin and death. And we've discovered that there is a principle, and that is sin is dwelling in this flesh, in this body. And we're longing for the day when the Lord will deliver us from this body. And in the 8th chapter of Romans, we're going to discover that the day is coming when the blessed Spirit of God, through the power of God, will give his people a resurrected redeemed a body, a body that's free. I can hardly wait. Can't you? So we know the battle. It's very real. And it's fierce. And we find ourselves failing from time to time. And if you're not careful as a believer, you're going to believe that you could lose your standing in grace. And you might begin to question whether or not you are condemned. Is the law of God holding authority over my life? When I look at my failure and my struggle and, I'm, and my sinning, am I condemned? Will I lose this position in grace? And these four, four verses in the eighth chapter bring assurance to the believer's heart. And he states emphatically, therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So the real issue this afternoon is, are you in Christ Jesus? That is the defining question of this hour for each one of us individually. We've already gone through chapter 7, and we saw that that God... That law of God condemns. The law of God has a death sentence on sinners. We've discovered that that chapter teaches us that the law of God has conviction over a person as long as they alive and then he uses the illustration for marriage if i were to die my wife is free to marry someone else but while i'm living she's not free he uses that illustration to show to us that law in general has jurisdiction over their life. we discovered that the law is spiritual in verse 14 We discovered in chapter 7 that the law is holy and righteous and good in verse 12. The law is not sinful, verse 7. The law actually teaches us what sin is. And the law of God has the opportunity to make sin utterly sinful. It shows us how terrible sin really is. And we wouldn't apart from the law of God. Paul would use the illustration. I wouldn't even know what sin is if the law of God had said, thou shalt not covet. So it has the ability to point out what sin is, but the law of God also has the ability to stir up and arouse the sin that is in the flesh. God says, thou shalt not Sin, taking occasion of that, literally the text says, it jumps on us, it holds us down, it bears down on us and makes the flesh disobey the law of God. What a monster sin is. You also learn that it takes a perfect obedience to the law of God For us to have eternal life and not a single person in this room can say, I have perfectly obeyed the law of God, verse 10. And we discover that disobedience to that law brings death, verse 10. But we also saw in verse 4 that we died to that law through the body of Christ so that we could be joined to him as a new husband and start bearing fruit for God. And we've been released from the penalty of the broken law because Christ, our surety, our representative, our mediator, died in our place And God took all of our sin and put it on his son and his son suffered the penalty of the broken law for us. What a glorious truth. And it's because of the work of Christ that now I as a human being the law of God a regenerated state as a new creation in Christ as a new man I say, law of God, I don't fear you. Law of God, you're good, you're holy, you're righteous. Law of God, I have a desire for that law to govern my life. Matter of fact, in the new covenant work of Christ, that law is written where? It's in our heart. It's in our mind. It's in our inner man. That's where the law of God is. And it's with joy I look to the law not out of fear, but because now I desire to obey. With one, on one hand, myself because I'm living in this sin. i serving sin in my flesh. I'm not rid of it yet. Oh, wretched man that I am. But I'll tell you what, in my mind, in my inner man, I'm pursuing the law of God. I shared with you last week, I believe it was, that the battle, where do you think the battle really is? It's in the mind of the believer. The battle between God and Satan is in the mind of the believer. And you and I do not sin until we start to think about it. We don't trip into sin. Just casually going through our life and whoops, I sin. No, we start to think about it. It begins in your mind, and that is why it is so important for the believer to allow the mind of God, the Word of God, to become their own mind. That is why it's so important, my friend, for you to be reading the Word of God. If you long to be used by God, if you want to be set apart for His glory, you want to be sanctified. Jesus said, Thy Word sanctifies now, we're going to discover in chapter 8, it's the Spirit of God that does as well. And the Spirit of God is the author of the Bible. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not what? Sin against you. Tell you. you're facing temptation all of the time. And when it comes to you, rather than dwelling on the sin, planning the sin, why don't you ask the Spirit of God, Spirit of God, would you bring the Word of God to my mind? As a matter of fact, you know what I need to do? So I need to start meditating on the book. God, what do you think about what I'm getting ready to do here? Is that pleasing to you? And as you're struggling, trying to decide what you're going to do, you stop and you say, Spirit of the Lord, I need you right now. Nothing wrong with the law, but I'll tell you what, once you're converted Something will be true in your life, and it's found in verse 4, that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled where? In us. There's a lot of misunderstanding about the law of God today, a lot of misunderstanding about grace and law. Some people say, well, listen, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. They totally misunderstand what the Word of God is teaching. Mankind has always been under the grace of God. Noah found what in the eyes of God? Noah found grace in the eyes of God. When the Lord Jesus came, the law of God was not tossed out. Jesus said, I came not to destroy the law, but to do what? To fulfill the law, to fulfill all righteousness. And we've been reading through Psalm 119. And my friends, that's still a part of the Bible. And something takes place in the new covenant work of Christ. As we mentioned earlier, the law of God is written in our heart. And we delight in it. We long to obey. The problem was the disobedience of Adam. And his disobedience brought in sin. Oh, whatever sin is sin and with that sin came death and we saw what sin was last week we saw that it takes the law to teach us what it is We saw in verse 9 that the law shows us that sin has made us worthy of death. In verse 8, it seizes on what the law teaches, and it becomes the starting point for disobedience. It bears, as I mentioned earlier in verse 8, it bears us down to the ground. It pins us to the ground, and it overcomes us, and it begins to break produce in us disobedience. And we learned in verse 11 that it's a deceiver, that it's a killer. We learned in verse 14 that it brings us into bondage. We learned that it dwells in me still, the believer, in verses 17 and 20, that it's an evil that is present in me, verses 19 and 21. Oh, it dwells in the members of our body and it's waging this war against my mind. Do you know that battle? Yes or no? Do you have the same problem I have? Or are you totally righteous? Totally obedient? No, you know the battle. The law of your mind battling the sin in your flesh. We know it all so well. So are we condemned? Is there now condemnation for us? Not if you're a believer. There is therefore now. And that's what I want to bring you to today. The confidence that you need to have as a believer in the work of Christ on your behalf so that you can understand you are not... How glorious is this gospel that we know and preach? I mean, coming right out of the book of Romans, coming to chapter 1 and verse 16, and Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God unto what? To salvation. Salvation from what? Condemnation and the death sentence To be eternally separated from God, this good news that God has for humanity, this good news that we need as believers, this good news that the lost around us need, this gospel of God—we're not ashamed of because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who what Believes. believes. And so, are you in Christ? Are you a believer today? That is the question of. The hour. Because you flow right after that verse in chapter 1 and you meet the wrath of God in Romans 1. And what a wrath it is. It is a wrath that is poured out from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who will literally suppress the truth so they can live unrighteously. And this God this maker of heaven and earth, our creator. We stand before all of humanity without excuse for this creator has given to us his law. For the nations, he's put that law in our heart. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you live or what your culture is or language you speak, every single one of us know it's wrong to kill and know it's wrong to steal and know it's wrong to dishonor your father and mother and covet and take the name of God in vain. We all know it. Why? Because God has put his law in our heart. We are without excuse. And to the Jewish people, God brought his written law first on a table own and then he enlarged on that in the books of Moses and the Jewish people with the nation of the world are without excuse for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God there is none righteous no not even one and the testimony of humanity is the testimony that is found in Romans chapter 3 there is none righteous not even one there is none who understands there is none who seeks for god for all have turned aside together they become useless there is none who does good there is not even one for their throat is an open grave and with their tongues they keep deceiving and the poison of asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the paths of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is humanity. And all of us, outside of Christ, will stand condemned by the law of God. A death sentence hanging over our head. A death sentence that separates us from the presence of the Father. A death sentence that comes in like a tidal wave and washes us into eternity, into a lake of fire. That is our just desert that is who we are. And humanity needs to feel that weight, that sin, that disobedience, so that they may glory in the gospel. But now, If you're in Christ, if you're in Christ and have believed on him, have put your trust and your faith in him, there is no condemnation. For God has made a way in his gospel to save us from his wrath, and he has chosen. He has chosen that it would be by his grace through faith. And you flow into Romans chapter 4. And you discover that great doctrine of justified, declared righteous by putting my faith and trust in Christ. And you discover it's always been the message of God. And he'll go back into the Old Testament pull from the life of David and pull from the life of Abraham. And say this has always been God's plan of redemption by his grace, if you'll put your faith and trust in the one he sent to save, that God will declare you righteous. Not unrighteous, but righteous. And You start to unfold chapter five, and we discover that even in chapter five, we are met with the grace of God. Chapter five says we have peace with God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter five says we have the spirit of God. Chapter 5, we're reminded that Jesus died for us. We're reminded that we'll be saved from the wrath of God through him. We are told in that chapter that now we've been reconciled to God, that we now have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we flow into chapter 6, and we discover that if we're in Christ, there is a union, an unbreakable union with him that God has... Put me in Christ, and I'm united with Him in His life, and in His death, and in His burial, and in His resurrection. An inseparable union by faith, and He took me out of the realm of sin and death. And he put me in the realm of grace and life and he made me a new creation. The old self is crucified and I am a new person in Christ and we're no longer a slave to sin and death but we've become a slave to God in righteousness. But we know that struggle of chapter 7. You know it well. But you must believe that if you're in Christ and you've believed on him. For you, there is no condemnation now and forever. There is not a single thing that you can do as a believer. Not a single thought that you can think as a believer that will ever bring the sentence of condemnation. Think of that. Can you imagine that? Into the eternal ages to come, nothing. For God in his grace has declared you righteous. Because Christ's righteousness counts for you. And all of your unrighteousness, he paid for. For verse 2 says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh. You know whose flesh was weak? Not the Lord Jesus' flesh, but ours. Our flesh is weak because we can't keep the law. Our flesh is weak because we're condemned in Adam and his disobedience has impacted us. But then you continue to look at it and you discover I'm condemned because I practice unrighteousness too. And there is a third condemnation that can come to you if you're outside of Christ and Jesus would, write, it would speak about that in John's gospel which a very famous text, John 3.16, you know that verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But if you don't believe on him, you are what? Condemned. You're condemned by being a descendant of Adam. You're condemned by the things that you do. But my friend, if you fail to trust Christ, you will be condemned forever. And I can tell you, outside of Christ, you are now condemned. You won't have to wait for God to judge you. You're condemned right now. There's only one way to get out of that condemnation, and it's Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father unless he comes, what, through me? There's only one way to the Father, my friend, and it's Christ. And what you and I could not do in a perfect obedience to the law because of the weakness of our flesh, God did something about it. He sent his son. Notice the text says in the likeness of sinful flesh. It doesn't say that he came in sinful flesh. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh and bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh, what it means to be human, he is. And so God would send from heaven the second Adam, his own son. And what does the text say he did? He condemned sin in the flesh. The Lord Jesus in his flesh Took upon himself our sin. And God pronounced a death sentence on sin in Christ. These are glorious truths. And these are foundational to everything else that we're going to discover in Romans 8 we're going to discover because of this new life in Christ and the power of the spirit of God that I can fill my mind with the word of God with the help of the spirit I can say no to sin and yes to righteousness and the requirements of the law they've never changed do you realize that Some people think God's law was lost out. No, the requirements of the law are still there. That's what the verse 4 says. But the difference is that the requirements of the law are fulfilled in us if we walk by the Spirit and not the flesh. So the takeaway today for you from this chapter is to understand, if you're in Christ, neither now nor ever will you be condemned. Rest in that. Be thankful for that. And let that gospel truth give you the courage and the joy to love the law Psalm 119 and pursue the will of God and understand that you can do it through the help of God's Spirit let's pray Father in heaven We all know too well the struggle that we have, even now, in obeying you. But we rest in the truth that you've given us today, a truth that you planned, something you did, you initiated it. In Christ, that rather than us being condemned, you condemned your Son and condemned sin in his flesh. And he conquered sin and he conquered death for us. And we are united to him in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. And you are calling us to a new way of living. A new way of serving. So I pray for these dear people, Lord. I know that they face the same battle I face. And I pray that you will teach us in this eighth chapter how to walk with your spirit. That Holy Spirit. The one who is with us. so that unlike any other period in our life, now we can begin to experience greater obedience to you so that we can be set apart for you, to be used by you for your glory. So help these dear people, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.